So, uh, man, there, there is a lot to celebrate. We've, we've seen so many people come to know Christ. We've seen so many come be baptized. We've seen people grow in their faith. And there's so many good things to celebrate. But as though we're celebrating this, this good stuff, I know as long as like I love all of the amazing things. And we're going to spend more time, like we said, celebrating that stuff. But I do also want to just like take a moment and kind of go, as we are at one year anniversary right now of this when the world changed, you know, here we are a, a year ago right now is when churches started closing down across our community and you guys all started doing e-learning at home and, and everything just kind of changed. I, I wonder what, what did we, what, what, what was Jesus trying to teach us through this year? What did, we, what did we learn in this year? Yeah, he did some great things and incredible, but I wonder if we picked up some things this last year that we were not supposed to pick up. When it comes to COVID, election, social justice. These are some things that we picked up. Do we, do we view people differently today than we did a year ago? Is it really challenging not to view somebody by their political opinion, by their social justice opinion, by their epidemic perspective, mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, open, closed, We've put people into categories, and as, as wonderful as it is of what he did, there was some incredibly hard stuff that we walked through. And so let's talk about those hard things, those challenging things, those, those hurtful things. And the truth of the matter is, is that through this year, some have lost connection with the local church. People that... We've seen it and said it over and over. Some people have grown so much in their faith. Their faith became alive. It became real. Others, it was a defining moment of faith, a defining moment of what do I truly believe about the Bible? What do I believe about Jesus? What do I believe about the church? And people that, that even are of faith and have a faith in Jesus, many have found themselves viewing the local church going, do I fit there anymore? Is there a place for me? Is there a space for me? Because if we're honest in many ways, and I'm guilty also, we could become very judgmental as Christians this last year. Many people are going, I got hurt. I got ignored. I got, I don't know if I want to go back. I don't know if I'm accepted. I don't know if I fit in. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I agree with everything that's being said and everything they're doing. And that's of the people that do believe in Jesus that are having a hard time coming to church. And then there's a whole other group of people that are lost, that are seeking truth, that are looking for what is true about eternity, what is true about the purpose of my life, why am I here, what, what is the purpose of existence. And they're, they're looking and searching for truth. But in a time when there's so much hurt and division, it's like, are, are they looking to the church? Do they feel like they could come into the church to find the truth that we have because we have the truth. We have Jesus. We have the shared Jesus. So how do we do this in a time when people feel so divided? Can there be a church that has place for the rejects, the rebels, the saved, the sanctified, the outcast, the saints, the sinners, the convinced, and the skeptics. Can, can there be a church that, that has room for people? And meet people where they're at, love them where they're at, but just like Jesus, that's what Jesus does, we're going to see today. Jesus meets us where we are at, but he loves us enough not to leave us there, right? He doesn't leave us there where he finds us. 
And so we're going to continue on. Guess what book of the Bible we're in? Been there for a while. (laughs) The book of Mark. And today we're in chapter 2. And as you get your Bibles out to turn there, we're going to look at what we've been doing. Is we're it's so these are the easiest sermons to preach. It's about Jesus. He's so amazing. He's so incredible. We're examining the life of Jesus, and today we're going to see that Jesus makes us uncomfortable. Jesus makes us uncomfortable because we're learning and we're following a man who claimed to be God. That made everybody in his world, in his sphere, very uncomfortable to say that he was, in fact, the son of God. But let me tell you, Jesus did not come to make you comfortable. He did not come to make us believers comfortable. And just like in Jesus' day, many were not comfortable with who he was, what he was doing, how he was acting. We need to be sure that we don't become comfortable with who he is. Because the fact is, the more I grow in my relationship with Jesus, the more the words jump off the page of the Bible, the more like I'm like, ah, that's uncomfortable. That's uncomfortable of who you are, Jesus. That's uncomfortable of what you're asking us to do. Are you willing to get uncomfortable today? Are you willing to be challenged today? Because if you are comfortable in your relationship with Jesus, I would maybe argue the fact that you have made a Jesus, you are following a Jesus that you have made up. If you agree with everything that Jesus says to you and it's easy to do, maybe you're following your version of Jesus and not the Jesus we see in the Bible. Who's up for a challenge today? (laughs) Because Jesus did some very uncomfortable things. The religious people, the people known in that day as the Pharisees of Jesus' day, he would drive them crazy because they would see he's a good guy. Man, he teaches the Torah like no one we've ever heard. He does this incredible stuff, but then he does awful things like hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. And that's where we pick it up in Mark Chapter 2, verse 13. It says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I did not call, come to call the righteous, but the sinner. So here is Jesus again. Wherever Jesus goes, all of a sudden a crowd shows up. Wherever Jesus goes at this time, at this point in his ministry, everywhere the crowd just finds him. They're like, okay, Jesus, where are you going now? What are you doing now? What are you going to heal? What miracle are you going to perform? We want to follow you. We want to hear what you're going to say. And so Jesus gets a crowd. Whenever he gets a crowd, what does he do? He teaches them. Because we always got to remember, Jesus came as a teacher, preacher. He came to proclaim the good news. He came to proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. So if he had a crowd, he preached. That's what he did. And then, so he's preaching, and he says that he passed by a man named Levi. 
And I, and, and I, and I love it that he, it, it differentiates Levi from the crowd. There's this crowd of people following Jesus, trying to get close to Jesus. What is Jesus going to do? Jesus, answer my prayer. Jesus, do this. And then there's just the guy sitting at a tax table. Everyone else is interested in Jesus and following his teaching. And this guy doesn't seem to be. He's just sitting there. A tax collector. How many of you guys are excited that tax season's upon us, right? Right? Emailed my tax guy this, this last, last week. Haven't heard back yet because I know he's swamped and busy with all kinds of things, right? You know, how many of us love it? Like, oh, I hope I can pay $5,000 this year. That would be great if I could give more money to the IRS, right? No, no like we, we, nobody likes tax guys in our, na- in our time, in our place. But the fact of the matter is we've got it pretty good compared to what it was like at this time that Jesus was on the earth. See, sometimes we forget that, 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 that Israel, now, now they were not slaves at the time. They were no longer slaves of, of a, or, or held in captivity. They were in their own nation, their own place, but they were ruled by Rome. And so they weren't in fact slaves, but they were slave to the taxation that was put on them from Rome, right? And so like they, they, they were taxed on everything because Caesar is growing Rome. He's building highways. He's building armies. He's building roads. He's building infrastructure. And the way to build this is to tax the people to death. And so as they go along, he would, he would tax people. And the Jewish people were ones that were not, ones that were not included in this. They had to pay their taxes also. And basically, almost everything you had was taxed. So here's a booth along a pathway. Along, this is almost like a toll booth. How many of us love those in Illinois, right? Another toll booth, another swipe on my eye pass, right? You know, and like this is almost like he's walking along. And here's this, here's this, your, your travel tax. There's this travel tax. There's a sales tax. There's an import tax. There's an there's a export tax. There's a tolls. There's a transportation tax. As you went from one town to the other, and this is where Jesus meets Levi sitting at his tax collecting booth. And so what even makes it worse is a matter of that Rome didn't just send out their own people to go collect the taxes. What Rome would do is they would, in fact, like almost in a way of like kind of franchise out being a tax collector. Like, okay, like different, different communities, they need to collect different amounts of money. So like you would, these guys would come and bid of like how much money they could get. So just, just, just to kind of work with me here, like it's almost like the, the state of Illinois is like, okay, we need from, from the town of Elburn, we need $500,000 from St. Charles, it's a little bigger, we need about a million. From Chicago, we need 10 million. And so like I said, okay, I, I got Elburn covered, I'll, I'll do that, I'll, I'll cover St. Charles. Okay, no, I'm really, I really think I can get 10 million from, from, from Chicago. So they're, they're kind of like doing this. And so these guys would go out to receive the taxes from the people. And they wouldn't have any kind of regulations because Rome would in fact allow them to anything that they collected over what they owed Rome they could pocket for themselves. So day and night, all around, year long, they're looking for ways to tax people because anything that got over what they owed Rome, they got to pocket, got to keep in their pocket. Rome gave them permission to basically steal from the people. Set your own salary by how much you can take from them. So they're walking and then down the road and he says, oh, you got, you got a walking tax. So you're, you're, you're walking down this road, you, you got to pay a tax for that. Oh, you got a backpack? Uh, what's in your backpack? Let's tax what's on there. Oh, you got a donkey? You got to tax your donkey for coming across this way and whatever's in the cart. And, you know, you got a food tax. All these things. Always finding ways to tax people. And if they couldn't pay their taxes, they would be thrown in prison. Like, oh, until you can pay off your taxes or become a slave to someone, you know. And it's like, oh, like, oh, but they were very generous. They were very nice. If you couldn't pay your taxes, they would give you a loan. 
with like 50% interest, uh, very generous. And, and if you couldn't pay that back, they would still break your legs and throw you in prison, right? Like, I mean, it was just a very, very corrupt system. And so to make matters worse, we see that Levi is also Jewish. So this means that this, for him to take this job is to turn his back on his friends, his family, his nation, his own people. He trades all that to be a thug for Rome, to be a thug for the superpower that's over ruling them. This is not a good guy. This is a bad guy. Everyone who knows him does not like him. He's not invited to parties. Everybody hates him, right? To be a Jewish tax collector was to be considered the lowest of the low. Nobody loved you. Nobody cared about you. Nobody wanted to be around you. You were not allowed to go to the temple, to the synagogue for worship. You were not allowed to read the scripture. You were not allowed to hear about God. You were not allowed to worship, read the Bible. You were excommunicated from the community. One commentator I read this week said that that your family disin, that they, they disowned you. They were so displeased with you that they didn't even claim you as family anymore. That is who Levi is. And Jesus, yet walking along, has this huge crowd of people. He does this most crazy, scandalous, uncomfortable thing. And he says to the tax collector, come and follow me. Last week we saw Jesus forgive sins. Now he's asking a sinner to come and follow him. To come and be like him. To come and walk with him. Right in the middle of the crowd, he picks out busy streets. Everybody's eyes on him. He picks the worst of the worst and chooses him to say, come and follow me. No one chooses Levi. No one chooses him for anything. No one loved him. No one cared about him. No one wanted to be associated with him except for Jesus. Jesus walks up to the sinner of sinners, the most corrupt person, and says, follow me. Levi, I pick you. Levi, I choose you. You are going to be my disciple. Levi, I have plans and purposes for your life. Isn't that amazing who Jesus is? He could have chose anyone. I mean, he's got a big crowd. He's got fame. He could have gone to, like, choose, like, the most elite, the most elite graduates of the best school. Like, oh, let's find it. I mean, Jesus is getting ready to start a movement. He's getting ready to set these people up to start the first church that's supposed to take this message around the entire world. You think he would choose someone that could quote some scripture. <laughs> right? No, instead, he's like, I'll take four fishermen and a tax collector. That's what we've seen so far in this book. Like, who is he? What is this team? He is building. What is he doing, Jesus? What is so interesting, I think, is that you notice that we don't see Levi raise his hand, say a prayer, walk the aisle, come to the altar. Jesus came looking for him. There are people in this room, people online, people in your life that Jesus is looking for them. That Jesus is looking for them. He is calling them and he wants to use you to be that voice. He's just sitting there and Jesus comes to him. He wasn't looking for Jesus. He wasn't waiting on Jesus. He wasn't praying to Jesus. He wasn't looking to Jesus for a miracle. He had things, even though nobody liked him, he had a pretty good life. And it says that he rose and followed him. It's that simple. Jesus says, hey, come, come follow me. He didn't ask any questions. He didn't go, okay, Jesus, well, where are you going? Where am I following you to? Where, what does this look like? How is this going to pan out? What does this mean to follow you? Can I still collect taxes? What does this mean? Hey, Jesus, uh, can you first tell me about six-day creation? I don't quite understand that. Hey, Jesus, can you tell me about the flood? Was that, was that metaphorically? Was that a real flood? Hey, Jesus, could you help me? Like, he didn't bring all of his questions, all of his stuff. He simply 
This is, we make it so complex. He simply got up and started following Jesus. You figure it out as you go. So many of us, we get caught up. We want to figure it out. We want to have all the answers. We want to know everything before we just start following him. You start, but guess what? All of us, we don't have all the answers. That's what makes him God and me not God, right? That's, he's so much greater. He's so much bigger. If I've got him figured out, that's not a very fun God to follow, right? <laughs> so he's just like gets up and like, you, 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 follow, you start following him because he's calling you on your heart. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's saying, come and follow me, and we'll figure it out along the way. We'll figure it out along the way. And there's such a profound change in Levi's life. Like, could you imagine this change in this moment? Like, he, so he gets up by saying he gets up and follows him. That means he leaves all of this behind. He leaves his livelihood behind. He stops ripping people off. He, he repents of his sins in a single moment. And his life's changed as he starts following Jesus. Starts following Jesus, right? I mean, like, could you just imagine, like, yeah, I had a pretty good gig. I was making good money. I could, I could set my own salary. I could set my own vacation days. Jesus comes along and says, follow me. And I left it all beside. I left it all there and just started following him. And it gets even better, guys. It gets even better. The story gets even better. Because church history will tell us that this man, Levi, not only does his life change, his occupation change, what he does change, Jesus, in fact, changes his name. Because that's what he'll do for us is he'll change our name. He changes his name from Levi to Matthew. Matthew becomes a disciple. Matthew, guess what? He wrote a book of the Bible. Anyone want to take a guess at what book of the Bible Matthew wrote, right? Yeah, you guys are smart. You guys are quick. Matthew, right? Guess who the book of Matthew is, it's written to all of us, all of us to read, but who is it specifically written to in a way for them to understand? The Jewish people to understand. So God takes the guy that the Jews hated, couldn't stand, could not stand to be around, and he uses him to write the story for the Jewish people to come and know and follow Jesus. Isn't that just amazing? Don't ever, don't ever miss who God can use in the most profound way. And even today, we know so much about Jesus because of what Matthew wrote. This guy sitting at a tax collector booth. All right. Jesus makes us uncomfortable. The next thing Jesus does, Jesus wants to know your friends. Jesus wants to know your friends. So Levi follows Jesus. Start following Jesus. Start going. That's step one. Step one is start following him. Step two is introduce Jesus to your friends. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. I love new believers. I love when people come to Christ out of a time of like living for themselves, living in sin, do not know. Man, I get so excited when new believers come and find Jesus in church, come and be part of our church. It is amazing because guess what? They just start believing and they have friends that are and family members that are not believers. And they're so excited that they're like, I found Jesus. You got to come meet Jesus. I got to come. You got to come meet him. You got to come find out about him. And like, listen, the fact, can we be honest? The longer we've been Christians, the longer we've been following Jesus, all of a sudden we look around in our circle and everyone I know is a Christian. Everyone I know has the same view, same perspective, sees things the same way as I do. The people I'm comfortable with see things the same way. New believers, man, they've just like, I met Jesus. He changed everything. You got to come meet him too. So he's hanging out and he's just like, hey, what we do is we throw a party. 
The rest of the world doesn't let it like us. We don't, we don't get to go to synagogue, all this stuff. So we're throwing a party. How many of us know that some Christians could do better at throwing parties? Right? We could do a lot better at throwing parties for people to come to. He's like, he's like hey, I, I might not be able to get these guys to church, but I'll get them to come to a party. So Levi, who's at the party? So Levi, the tax collector, and many other tax collectors. This is like tax collector convention, right? You know, he's like, he's like, hey, all these rejects, all these people that have nowhere else to go, I'm going to have a party. And guess who else is there at the party with the tax collectors and the sinners? Because those are two different categories of how bad they are. And Jesus and his disciples. Jesus and his he goes and hangs out with them. He goes and like, hey, let's cook a meal. Let's have some food. Let's hang out. Let's celebrate. And what I love about Levi is that he hasn't been a Christian for a long time. He doesn't have it all figured out. He hasn't gone through the Sunday school classes. He's not a theologian. He doesn't have all the memory verses memorized. He just simply goes, I can throw a party and I can introduce him to Jesus. I, I, you don't have to be a super saint to throw a party and invite people to Jesus. In fact, if you are a super saint, your party's probably not very fun. And so nobody wants to come to your party, right? But like, they, he's like, no, it's pretty simple. Just invite people to come meet Jesus. Next part, religion gets in the way of people meeting Jesus. <laughs> when the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? This is not just like the way that they say it, tax collectors and sinners. This is not just your generic run-of-the-mill kind of sinners. This is not, hey, they lied to their parents. They played hooky in school. You know, that kind of sinners. Like, uh, you know, like, like, oh, my goodness. Uh, this is like you don't want to be around. Hide your wife, hide your kids like kind of sinners. Like you don't want to be around these kind of people. This is the guy maybe, maybe just got out of rehab, the girl who's six shots in the fireball. This is a drug dealer, a pimp, the guy who just got out of prison. You got Bubba in the corner who loves bar fights. You've got another guy. He's still sitting there like just like wasted. And another girl's wearing too short of a skirt to be in Jesus' presence, right? Like this is what kind of sinners, like this just like that's how they're viewing these people. Why is Jesus with them? Why is Jesus with them? Because they're new. They don't, they don't know the rules. They don't know how to follow. So again, that's what I love about new believers. Like, man, uh, <laughs> I loved when we first started their church. We were still portable at the high school. And um, I remember someone saying, oh, I saw someone smoking outside your school building over there. It's like, oh, really? What were they smoking? Like, oh, oh, they were oh, thank God, they were only smoking a cigarette. You should have seen what they were smoking six months ago. So let's celebrate that they're only smoking a cigarette, all right? Like they were doing much more. That's amazing. That's incredible. And we, wanna, we want people like, it's like, really? Like, why are you so concerned about that stuff? Jesus came for the sinners. <sighs> he says... <laughs> These, these scribes, these Pharisees, they're, they're looking at it and they're like teachers of the law and they see Jesus going to the party and they're upset. They're like, maybe they're upset because they weren't invited and they're not like outside the party or they're going, why is he in there? Why is he hanging out with them? 
They hear the music, boom, boom, parties rocking. You know, they've got all kind of great food in there, things going on. They're standing on, I can just imagine them, like they're standing on the driveway, like in the cul-de-sac of the house where the party is happening. And they're like, is that Jesus in there? What on earth is Jesus doing with those guys hanging out? Jesus should be with us. It says, what is he doing eating with tax collectors and sinners? Because see, like, you understand in this time, in this context, the significance of having a meal with someone meant that you agreed with them, that you were in relationship. But to eat a meal with someone, even an everyday meal, meant that, like that's a place where you shared, shared morals together. You shared your social perspective. You, you, and, and a lot of times you shared a meal with someone that could then offer you a meal to come back to their house. So like it was a, it was a, it was a trade-off here and there, you know. And so mealtime was like this time of like shared values and vision and what we thought and, and beliefs. People that are on equal standing with us. You ate with people that were of the same caliber as you. These, people, these religious people are like, he teaches Torah so well. Why isn't he eating with us? Why is he eating with them? And what's happens, and I'm convicted of this, and I think we all can be, is that the longer we start out as a Levi. We start out as like far from Christ, not knowing what to think, not knowing what to believe. We think the book of Job was a job. You know, we don't know all the answers, all of the things there that are going on. And then over, like we start as a Levi and like we just have unbelieving friends. But over time, we all of a sudden move out of the party away from the house and we're the Pharisees looking at the others. We start as a Levi, but we become a Pharisee. Because we start to think that our sin isn't as big of a deal. We start to think like, well, you know, I'm really glad that Jesus chose me because I'm really great for his team. He really needed me. No, you're, you're, you're not that special. You're special. The only thing that you brought to your salvation was your sin. And Jesus didn't choose you because you were the best. He chose you because you were the worst. And he's going to now make you the best because now he puts his spirit inside of you. And we praise Jesus that he calls sinners to follow him. He calls people that are far from him. That you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't do anything to receive it. It's a special gift. See, and we can fall into this place that we either pretend we don't need him or we acknowledge that we do. Two different categories. We can pretend that we don't, oh, I don't need that forgiveness. I don't need that blood of Jesus that we sing about. I don't need that forgiveness. Or we can acknowledge that we do. The truth is we all need him. We all need him. All of our sins. We, we, we just have a hard time admitting it. Because, again, we, we see things in our Christian perspective of right and wrong and good and bad and little sins and big sins. And, and, and what happens so often is, like, in our own self-pride, our own self-esteem, we look down on people that are not doing as good as us. And we think, how could God like those people? Why would he deal with them? Instead of seeing there is no levels of sin with God, it's just sin and it all separates us from God. There's no levels, there's no scales. We're all sinners. We're, we're all equally evil in our own human nature and we're all equally lovable by our Savior who gave it all for us. We can think those are the good ones, those are the bad ones. I just want to drive it home a little bit more after a year that we've just had, after a year that we're reviewing of what God did and all of this stuff and the way that we view people different, if Jesus came today and you're walking past the house and you look in there and you go, 
is that Jesus hanging out with the Black Lives Matters organization? What's he doing in there? Is that, is that Jesus with the alt-right? Why would he be with them? Is that, is that Jesus having a meal with President Biden and Pritzker? No way. No way. He doesn't do that. Is that Jesus with Trump and DeSantos? No, those aren't, no, those aren't his people. Jesus, those aren't your people. These are your people. And we, if he was here today, we would dictate who Jesus should hang out with. Can we be honest? We would, be honest, we would not be that different from the Pharisees of saying who Jesus should hang out. Jesus, what are you doing? Those aren't your people. Those aren't good people. Bad company corrupts good character, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. That, that, no, and we would be uncomfortable with who Jesus is. We would be extremely uncomfortable. And I just imagine this, like, <laughs> it's like the party's going, maybe one of Andrew or Bartholomew are going to the, take the garbage out, and there they are at the Kovacac, the religious leaders, because they're not invited to the party. And they ask one of the disciples, like, why is Jesus in there eating with them? And again, Jesus hears them. He's in the house having a party. He's in there, and he's like, and he just, I, I, he like yells out the window because they're not in the party. Like, I don't, I don't know how they heard it. But he's like, turns to them and like says, hey, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He goes on and says this, verse 13, but go and learn from what this means. This is from Matthew. He says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus says, that's the reason I came. That's the reason I am here. This is the purpose. This is the goal. This is the mission. This is the intentionality. This is why I have come. Jesus has come to live on mission. He has come to live on mission. We completely, truly, wholeheartedly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he was up in heaven and he came as the first missionary. He left eternal heaven in the sky with the Father, holy there, being worshipped day and night by angels. He leaves that and instead of being surrounded by angels, he comes and lives here and he's surrounded by sinners. He comes and leaves that and he comes and does this. He came with his one goal to seek and save the lost, to build relationship again with his father. And Jesus lived on mission. And what I love about Jesus is he doesn't excuse their sins. He doesn't say like, oh, yeah, you guys are right. These people are, he doesn't say, oh, oh no, these, these guys are good. He doesn't excuse it. He doesn't say like, imagine like he's like, so he's sitting at the table and he's like, I didn't come for this, the healthy. I came for the sick. I didn't come for the, for the religious. I came for the sinner. Like he's sitting at the table with the people. And they're like, oh, hold on. Did you, did you notice that? He doesn't excuse it. He's agreeing with the religious people. Yeah, these people are jacked up. Yes, these people have problems. Yes, look at this guy. He still has a joint in his hand. This guy is still collecting taxes. She's jacked up, and that's why I'm here. I didn't come for the healthy. I didn't, I didn't, the healthy don't need a doctor. I came for the sick. A good doctor is surrounded by sick people. A good doctor, you got to make an appointment to go see because a good doctor has a reputation that he can make a difference. He came to be a doctor so people that are, that are in need are coming around him. That's kind of how it works. And he's like, yeah, they're messed up. Yeah, they need a savior. And he doesn't make excuses. 
And then could you imagine a person next to him like, Jesus, did you just say that I'm sick? Did you just say I'm jacked up? Did you just say I'm a sinner? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and most truly messed up, jacked up, sinning people would be like, you know what, you're right. You don't argue with it. Yeah, you're right. I got problems. I got problems. He doesn't excuse it. He doesn't say, oh, well, she didn't have a good dad. That's why she's this way. He didn't say, oh, well, he has lots of anger issues, but he has a good heart. He didn't do that. He said, it is the sick that need a doctor. This is sick. We're all sick. We're all in need of a doctor. We're all in need of a savior. We're all in need of someone to come. And like, instead of the church spending so much time trying to diagnose each other's disease and problems, and we should be living on mission in addition, introducing people to Jesus because he can solve all their problems. He's the one that can make the difference. So someone comes in and you go, they go, oh, you're sick? Me too. But I know a great physician. His name is Jesus. Oh, you're jacked up? I was jacked up big time. I had lots of problems. In fact, I'm still a work in progress. He's still working on me. But I got to introduce you to this guy named Jesus. He's got all the things. Oh, you're a sinner? Oh, you keep on stumbling at? Guess what? I was too. But this guy, Jesus, comes and he says and that I am a saint. And it's not because of anything I did. It's because of what he did. We got to start seeing people different. We say, no, it's Jesus. He loves for you. He cares for you. It isn't that complicated. And if we're not careful, church, as we come out of this year of isolation, hurt, division, seeing people in categories, we can forget that the gospel is for everyone. We must never forget the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is the very first B2 movement. Oh, you've been hurt? Me too. Come on in. Oh, you've been rejected? Me too. Come on in. Oh, you're jacked up? But listen, we're one big jacked up Jesus family, and he's making us right, and he's fixing us. Me too. Oh, you're a filthy sinner, a tax collector? Oh, good news. I was too, but he calls me a saint. He invites me to be his friend, and he changes who I am, and he changes my identity and helps me to see who I am. So church, let us not forget, okay? Let's not forget who is welcome to receive the gospel. So let me close by telling you who is welcome to receive the gospel. Who is welcome into this church? If you're watching online, if you're somewhere, someone shares this message with you and you go, do I fit in church? Am I allowed in church? Am I allowed in River City Church? Would they welcome me? I just made a little list of who can come and follow Jesus. If Jesus was walking by, who he would say come, some say and follow. So he would say, to the hippie, to the hipster, to the redneck, to the meathead, to the meth head, to the crackhead, to the deadhead, to the stay-at-home mom, to the single mom, to the soccer mom, to the crunchy mom, to the helicopter mom, to the college student, to the high school dropout, to the homeschool kids, to the punk rockers, to the indie rockers, to those covered in tattoos and those that tuck their shirts in, to the freaks, geeks, losers, rejects, misfits, rich, poor, black, white, Latino, Asian, Russian, <laughs> Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, skinny jeans, mom jeans, baggy jeans, cargo shorts, PC, Mac, iPhone, Android users, men who work it and girls who twerk it, people who watch Fox News and people who watch CNN, to the gay, straight, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, beauty queens, prom queens, drag queens, people who text while driving, people who vape, alcoholics, workaholics, introverts, extroverts, narcissists, people pleasers, drug abusers, drug dealers, porn addicts, prostitutes, Star Wars fans, people who think wrestling is real, vegans, vegetarians, crossfitters, those on keto diets, 
And the religious people that don't know any idea what I'm talking about because you have no friends and you're never invited to a party, you're just as jacked up as the rest and you need Jesus and you're welcome too. That is who the gospel is for. <laughs> so in case I missed you, in case you did not get offended, the simple fact is we all need a savior. We all need someone who comes and saves us. None of us are righteous, no, not one. And let us never, ever become a church that thinks that we are so righteous and so great that Jesus would not welcome those that need him the most. Lord, help us now to walk out of here knowing who we are with you. That, Lord, we came in jacked up, but you're fixing us, Lord. We came in sick, but you made us healthy. We come in a sinner, Lord, but you call us a saint. Lord, it is all you that does it in your grace. Thank you, Jesus.